We're about to start, inshallah, so if we could um, settle down. We're almost t- ten minutes late anyway, so I think I'll, I'll begin, inshallah. Inna alhamdulillah, na'maduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu, wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina, ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلق من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الذي تسالون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم وما يطع الله رسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار الحمد لله we begin with the praises of Allah we glorify him we seek his help in all our affairs. We ask Allah to grant us the correct understanding of Islam. We ask Allah to fill our hearts with the light of Iman. We ask Allah to grant us the solutions to all our problems. We ask him to make our affairs easy for us and to help us to overcome all obstacles that we meet in life. We ask Allah to count us amongst the righteous and to ensure that we meet Him when He is pleased with us. We ask Allah to forgive all the Muslims, past, present and future. And we ask Allah, all those Muslims who are sincerely striving in His path, to make his word the highest. Those whom Allah guides, nobody can mislead them, and those whom he leaves to stray, nobody can guide them. I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah, and I also bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is Allah's final messenger to the entire humanity. I'd like to, on behalf of this organization, a charity organization, welcome all the brothers and sisters to this event. Many of you have come before. This is our 10th gathering. It used to be biannual, it's yearly now. And you must know that all our activities are carried out by volunteers. And as usual, it is respectable to ask for your patience and forgiveness because when volunteers run any enterprise of this magnitude of course we are going to make mistakes and test your patience. So let's start on that footing of apology and make a few announcements and let me make my introduction inshallah regarding this conference which is entitled Being Like Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is Society's Only Hope. We choose this topic specially because 
we do find a growing awareness in, amongst the public with regards to religion. Not Islam in particular, that might be happening, but religion, God, spiritualism, something more than the material world. The announcements first though, before I get carried away. First of all, I have been asked to mention, and all chairperson would probably mention this at every uh, start of every lecture, we do need to, inshallah ta'ala, switch off our mobiles and put them on vibration. And secondly, we need to also uh, remind each other to wear our badges. The, the hall or the site has been fully booked three weeks ago. A lot of people are there. We're also expecting a lot of people to come in on the day, and it will help each other to know who is here in the proper way and who is not here in the proper way. And also we have to say to the brothers and sisters, if you're coming by car, don't park on the main roads. That will cause a lot of problems to people, and we'll get complaints from the neighbors, but particularly from the university. And finally, the boring bit, the final boring bit is don't lock your rooms if you are sharing a key with other members or other participants. They can't get into the room. And I think many of you know you are sharing two, three brothers or sisters in a particular room, perhaps even so-called strangers, but they are brothers in faith. We mustn't lock our rooms to lock each other out, inshallah. But that's the boring bit. Let's get to the, the, the main part of this session. Why have we called this conference together with this theme at this time? Because we want, inshallah, to sow an idea. An idea may be small, it might be big. But that's all we want to do. Present some ideas based on what we claim to be and we believe to be Allah's final revelation to mankind. And as the saying goes, you sow a thought, it reaps an act. When an act is sown, a habit is formed. When a habit is sowed, a character is formed. And with a right character, you can actually reap a destiny. One of the scholars of Islam once mentioned that with character or good manners, we learn the deen. We, we learn how to behave properly. When we learn how to behave properly, we earn the pleasure of Allah. And with Allah's pleasure, we make it to paradise. And as we know, alhamdulillah, we have often said it before, it takes time to get it right in our own lives. Islam is really all about, in the end, getting our character in the right shape and form, with respect to Allah, with respect to His creation, and the noblest of His creation are human beings, and the best of mankind are the Muslimun. Get our character right. We are then, inshallah, trying to face destiny as a true worshipper of Allah. And in this time and climes, most of us are greatly aware of what is going on around us. It's very troubling, it's distressful, but it's nothing like what some people are experiencing at first hand in other parts of the globe. We can watch, we can feel, we can cry, we can shrug off. But those people who cannot ward off the reality, they are bearing the brunt of such an oppression that is hard for us to imagine. We need to understand what inhibits us from searching for the truth. Whether we are Muslims or even there are non-Muslims in this event, as a human being, we need to search for the truth. What stops us? Behind every story, every media portrayal of any story, there is truth behind it. How do we convince ourselves whatever we get to see or hear is the truth? Especially when it comes to considering Allah, God, religion, salvation, paradise, hellfire, success of humanity. We need to ask, but what inhibits us? And what do we do with that truth when we do find it? There are people who know the truth, they can't challenge it, they can't bring an alternative proposition, and they ignore it. And wonder what hearts they possess. There are Muslims, us, who know many things about the Qur'an and the Sunnah, pertaining to our love and hate, duties, responsibilities, what to do, what to withhold from, and how. And yet, we go around messing them up. Deliberately. And our excuse, the cushion, 
is we are relying on the mercy of Allah. But who amongst the righteous that Allah guided ever rested on the mercy of Allah while continuing to betray the knowledge Allah had granted them? This society, whether we are Muslims or non-Muslims, we should be able to appreciate our society, British society, society in which we live, is based on rage, envy, self-righteousness, greed, lust, and actions which come from these things are termed honorable deeds. What has happened? Even language is so distorted nowadays we don't understand how to sift falsehood away from the truth. We need a way of life which uncompromisingly states the truth and is undiluted. Nobody tampered with it. Nobody can challenge it or accuse it of any falsehood. At least as Muslims, you and I, inshallah, do we know of anything else besides the Quran and the Sunnah that fulfill this criteria? Absolute truth? Because this civilization is based upon moral relativism from the Enlightenment. Nothing is absolute. And we need to be very sure that we are treating Allah's words and the words of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam as absolutes. We need to be clever. We face our problems. We make the religion beautiful. We act beautifully with the people. We should be fair and just and kind and forgiving and tolerant. But in the end, the truth we cannot compromise except to our own peril. So who amongst us, if I say, show your hands, who amongst us is prepared to throw away the hair after or risk the fire because he's trying to be clever with the deen? The only way the da'wah will be fulfilled is if we show the characteristics of iman, not by hiding the, hiding the qualities of faith. Now some of us in the name of being clever and adapting and trying to make it more palatable and so forth are compromising the values of Islam. But perhaps we don't even know that. And that's a real pity if we don't even know that. Religion nowadays is all about toleration or compassion. As one person said, Chesterton, I quote an English person, he said, all that remains after a man has lost all principles is toleration. That seems to be the in thing nowadays. We tolerate. We tolerate each other. No! We tolerate for a purpose because there's a higher end. There's a principle of life. There's a goal. There's a purpose of us being here. You and I. Humanity being on earth. And we can see the earth is crumbling away. Falling apart. The Messenger of Allah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the mafhum in English, righteousness is a good way of life. Khuluq. It's a good way of life. What is the way of life of our society? If a society facilitates badness, it is a bad society. If a society makes it easy to be righteous, benevolent, bring out the best in a person, it's a good society. What do we have? You don't have to be a Muslim to understand this. What do we have? You go and visit all the major Web, the websites of the major political parties of this country. What are the main issues? What are the main issues? Transport, crime, police, education, NHS, health. What else after that? What else? There is something else that goes unstated but said in so many words it gets lost in the morass of discussion. Money. Economics. Bill Clinton came to power based on that. He said to hell with foreign policy. What matters is the economic need of America. And he got voted into power on that. And since then was Bush, and since then was Mr. Bush Jr., so many other people. And the Messenger of Allah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the most perfect in faith amongst the believers are those who possess the best way of life. Morals. Morals. And the best amongst you are those who are kindest to their wives, family. How many breakups happen in Muslim families? Subhanallah. Shaitan, Satan, 
loves nothing more. And it's almost a platitude for me to say so, because you all know it. Common fact. Satan loves nothing more than to break up marriages. And you speak to those Muslims who are now operating in this country, providing welfare and support, sympathy to Muslim marriages, married couples. They tell us that the marriage or the divorce rate amongst the Muslims is comparable to the divorce rate amongst the non-Muslims. It's a fact of life. It's increasing. Can I ask somebody to switch that thing off? It's distracting us, I think, inshallah. That was the Jima's presentation. I'm not going to talk about that presentation. You have the pamphlets on your chairs. You can read it up, and that's all of those stuff in a bit more glorified manner, just showing off a bit. So I think somebody can switch it off, please, inshallah. So the most perfect in faith amongst the believers are those who possess the best way of life, and the best amongst you are those who are kindest to their wives. Now look at our situation. How many unmarried couples are there? And the problems they face, single parent families, the problems they face. Far from offering them a solution and a helping hand, we are ourselves affected by these problems. What is that? How can that be acceptable? We are supposed to possess the revelation, Allah's book. We are supposed to have the revelation untouched from any corruption. And it's supposed to be an easy book. And Muhammad wasallam has explained in minute detail every aspect of how to be a proper human being doing justice to Allah and justice to His creation. Right down to the insects and the stones and the trees and the air that we breathe. And no one's life has been more meticulously recorded than that of Muhammad And yet we seem to be growing in the problems that people who are not blessed with his guidance are growing. We have an information overload and that is a, a big problem. I did a, a small bit of a reading, reading and some of the juicy bits kind of like extracted was that according to cognitive psychology, we have far too much information presented to us. And it's, ha and it's taking its toll. And you and I are part of the victims. We can't help but watch and listen and discuss and read. And it is blunting our emotions and killing our consciences and making us people who want to live in denial. It's a self-defense mechanism because we can't face the reality. As Muslims, whether we like what's happening or not, face the reality. When we face the reality, at least we have an opportunity to know there is a struggle. And maybe we can win. And of course, those people who are going to take over the humanity, by the blessings of Allah, are going to be those who are righteous before Allah. So we are going to win. If not me and you, Muslims who are loyal to Allah and devoted to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what happens is when we have information overload, compassion fatigue. Can't take it. Everybody putting out their begging bowl and saying, give us some money, we need some help. And the remarkable thing is in Britain, the latest figures show that the people of Britain are giving more money in charity than they had done before. That's a healthy sign. That shows something which we need to take into account. How people's hearts are functioning in general. They feel charitable. They are moved. And they are in a way belying the conclusions of the cognitive psychologists. Yes, it is blunting us. It is making us throw away information and not react as we should, but still not as badly as one could have expected. And Islam, if taken into consideration, is all about benevolence, charity, helpfulness. The best charity is that we can save each other, starting with our family, from eternal damnation in the fire. Do you doubt that? Do you think that's too much of a religious talk? Too emotional? If we believe in heaven and hell, what's the greatest charity I can perform? Even at the point of being cruel or unkind. That we save ourselves and our families from the fire of hell. 
And that's the least we can do, perhaps in some cases that's the most we can do. Let us do that, at least. Don't live in denial. It's the devil's ploy to keep us away from upholding our responsibilities. And I'm hoping, inshallah, through this conference, this event, some of us will begin to exert that much more harder in our responsibilities. In whichever field we are suited to apply ourselves. Anything, from driving a car to writing a book, to holding an event, to cooking some food for someone. But we need to uphold our responsibilities the best way we can and the way we are suited to them. Inshallah. Anyway, as some of the scholars have said, not scholars of religion, but scholars of other isms, um, denial is really a, a palliative. It doesn't take away the problem, doesn't take away the threat. It only puts you to sleep, makes you feel as if you're not suffering from that pain. Once the, the effect wears off, the pain comes back and you're mourning again. That's what's going to happen. Islam is the only universal moral code which gives rights to people in the way they should have it. Whether it's women and children, even when you talk about geni uh, no, what, what is it? genital mutilation, forced marriages. I know we have these practices in our communities, in so-called Muslim societies. But one needs to make a distinction between Islam and what Islam teaches and encourages us to bring about and what people have fashioned into Islam from their historical cultures. We need to make a distinction. And Islam is, in no uncertain terms, teaches us how to face these problems. Even the, the question of women's pay. Now on gender, you discriminate and you let, give them less money for the same work that they do, the girls or ladies, women. Rights, when it comes to rights. How can we have hope in a society? Think about this. Even if there are non-Muslims, I would like some non-Muslims to listen to this. If there are non-Muslims, think about it. How can you have hope in a society when the best, supposedly, the most civilized, the most technologically advanced, they kill their children, a third of them? Shocking. Maybe not. One third of all American children are killed at birth. Abortion. By whom? The healers. The doctors, they are supposed, those who are supposed to save life. And there are weird and wonderful ways of ending life. Partial birth abortions. Do you know how that is done? And I was amazed the other day at Cardiff, this uh, Christian uh, priest, he said there's a society in Scotland to which he belongs, where this Christian group actually supports mothers who are going to abort their babies, saying, don't abort your babies, let them be born, we will take care of them. We are not even like how Zayd ibn Nawfal used to be, subhanAllah. Before the advent of messengership of Muhammad wasallam, when he used to go around telling the pagans, please don't kill your baby daughter, I will look after them. Later on when she grows up, you can take her or leave her with me. Even in this corrupt society, we find even some Christians of practicing an act of nobility which we Muslims sometimes even don't think about. Sometimes we are so petty-minded and so involved in our infighting. Imagine if we played our role and offered not a ray of hope, more than that, a solution and established something. For society, because of Allah, we believe in Allah. murdering of babies, it is a very troubling fact, and don't ignore it. The strongest instinct in nature is the maternal instinct. And when the mothers are happy to kill their babies for freedom of sex, you have to question, what is left to save? And you know who said that? I mean, maybe many Muslims said that as well, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. When a mother can kill her baby, what is left of civilization to save? Because Mother Teresa had a heart which felt for humanity. Unfortunately, and Allah knows best, in his wisdom, she did not 
and was not, she did not accept Islam and was not a Muslim. And in spite of all the love and feeling and care that she had and gave her life in the service of humanity, what did she say? I want you to, I want to read these things. I put it out on an email before. Perhaps most of you are not on our email list. Mother Teresa's confession a few days before she died. In the latter part of her life, born you know, to serve humanity, perhaps wedded to Christ, the lady who grew old helping the beggars and the poor people in the streets of Calcutta. What's she saying? She said, I am told God lives in me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. Why didn't she consider Islam properly? Allah, Allah, Allah. In my soul, I can't tell you how dark it is, how painful, how terrible. I feel like refusing God. Of course, because Jesus was not God. Pray for me, Father. Inside of me there is so much suffering. Pray for me that I may not refuse God in this hour. I don't want to do it, but I'm afraid I may do it. Pray for me. Can you feel the pain in our heart? I can. The turmoil, the emotion. Try and imagine Mother Teresa speaking that this is the truth, the core of the truth, when we don't have the truth. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. Love, the word, brings nothing to me. Mother Teresa. Don't quote Mother Teresa to encourage Muslims to be noble. Nobility without faith in Allah counts for nothing. And you can serve humanity and lose everything and die in emptiness like her. Confessing it. And this is what we are offering to everyone. Not in a proud way. I may sound proud and arrogant the way I'm talking and so forth, but inshallah I'm not proud. And I pray to Allah that at our hands many people will accept the deen. And that through us and by ourselves we will come closer to Allah and grow in humility. However I sound, but this is what we are trying to achieve. We want to share the knowledge of Islam because it is the only hope for society. Nothing is left. Nothing is left. What they call, as one of the quotes from a, a Christian fundamentalist, this is actually Peter Kreeft read, mentioned this. What they call a left is really a, a, a heart without a head. And what they call the right is really a head without the heart. What we call Islam is head and heart together. That we, with our rational understanding, our intellect, we submit to Allah and say, Allah knows best and Muhammad knows best. After all, nothing in the world that has been put in place since Islam has achieved anything, whether, even though backed up by the best of motives. Not everybody is wickedly you know, to start with and want to have evil ends. But in the end, what do you, what do you see? You know, I shouldn't get too political, should I? Because after all, we're registered charity and something might happen. Well, something may happen, may not happen. We'll continue working as long as we're able to continue with as much wisdom as we can put in. And we're going to make mistakes. But sometimes the truth has to be spoken. And I would like to, uh, this is what uh, Martin Luther King, King said, because his event, his event is coming up soon, isn't it? They're going to do radio programs now on Martin Luther King. The time is now to speak the truth. No longer can we hold silent. The time is now. Speak the truth. What is happening? The truth is, we are amazed, and some people are pained, and they are astounded. Oh no, even the UN headquarters have been bombed in Baghdad. What is going on? They are the peacemakers. They want to get Iraq back on their feet. And we forget what had happened in Iraq the last 10, 15 years through the UN Charter. Are you going to misconstrue that to now mean that I'm by implicitly or you know, in some way expressing my support for terrorists and Al-Qaeda or something? Well, if you want to think in a deluded manner, that's your problem. But let us know the facts. Our facts. 
This is what John Pilger said, that how come it's not a crime for Bill Clinton or George W. Bush? How come it's not a crime when Anthony Blair and his Tory predecessor to have caused the deaths in Iraq of more people that have been killed by all the weapons of mass destruction in history. How come? Most Americans, as one person said, don't even know that sanctions against Iraq have killed more than the two atomic bombs dropped on Japan, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. If you want me to condemn terrorism, I should be balanced or consistent. I condemn terrorism, killing of every innocent person. And it seems that those who want to end terrorism create more terror than the terrorists themselves. What am I supposed to do as a human being? That's the society we live in, in denial. 6,000 children died every day. And if there are, somebody is taking note, mashallah. If you're taking notes, you want to question, I have references for all of them. All from non-Muslim expert sources. The magnitude is so huge, can't imagine. Somebody's action, the coalitions of the willing, let's say, because they subscribe to human rights, have unfairly snuffed out the lives of 6,000 children every day on average because of a tyrant Saddam Hussein. Don't we, as people of a country, want to ask, what is the ideology of my country, my government? What is my society founded on that can rest back and have a clear conscience and feel nothing, as it were, and go about life merrily skipping along as if nothing's going on? This is delusion, self-deception. I'm a part of it. I wasn't a signatory to this, signatory to this. Everybody has a role to play, a voice. A mouth to speak with. We speak nonsense all day long, so much. I would like to briefly quote, time is running out, briefly quote something that Dennis Halliday said. And if you don't like what is being said, you know, do you take issue with Dennis Halliday, not me? He was, he was, after all, somebody qualified to speak about these things. He said, 5,000 children are dying every month. I don't want to administer a program that results in figures like this. He resigned. I have been instructed to implement a policy that satisfies the definition of genocide. You and I say we be extremists and fundamentalists. That's how the society is now carved up. Can't speak the truth. And a tragic thing for Western society is they had carved up human rights precisely so that the oppressed can stand up and have the civic courage to speak against oppression. Muslims have many things wrong, many things we don't understand, but at least when our hearts beat in favor of the oppressed, and our hearts yearn to undo the injustice of the oppressor, oppressors, we become fundamentalists and extremists. It is extreme to support justice. And how many tears are you going to shed for Kuwait? the oil for food program from 1996. A huge amount of money that they were making, four billion or six billion odd. Majority of that was going to pay the war reparations of 1991 to Kuwait, who were already getting fatter than ever on their oil glut. This is reality. Supported by the ideologies that are currently in vogue in the world. And what are we confused about? Why are we confused? As a Muslim, we can be sometimes afraid. Nobody needs to pretend to be ten feet tall and full of courage. Yes, we are sometimes afraid, sometimes worried and so on. But don't be confused. Know the truth, clear from the error. After all, is in the Qur'an al-Furqan. So what is the problem? Maybe we don't read the Qur'an enough. 
I mean, so many much, so much more quotes, but I'll end on this Iraq by quoting George Monbiot, another non-Muslim. Because the current times are such, maybe it's not as bad, somebody will try and comfort me, I'm, I'm sure, later on say, look, you're getting too uptight for nothing, paranoid perhaps. Maybe it's not so bad. Well, anyway, it's still, it's easier and it's better. And less troublesome to quote a non-Muslim than me saying it myself. So let me quote George Monbiot. He said that the only moral difference between America's terrorism and that of Al-Qaeda is that the latter was puny by comparison. So we have human rights and we have spiritualism trying to fill the vacuum that we have now. My watch was upside down, so couldn't tell the time. Almost at the end. Spiritualism and human rights, they have taken on. Just a few quotes will suffice because it will give us a clear idea of how by cutting out God from the picture, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the picture, from the minds of humanity, they have replaced it with another religion in the name of secularism. It's a religion. Don't be confused. It's the sacred text of the secular religion, as said by one of the experts, Eli Weisel. But anyway, Kofi Annan, he is more well known. Everybody knows the name of Kofi Annan, I'm sure, not Eli Weisel. So what did Kofi Annan say? He said the Declaration of Human Rights is a yardstick by which we measure human progress. That's the yardstick. That's your aqidah. That's your standard against which we measure human progress. Now what was so much wrong with Islamic concept of humanity and human progress and value of human beings? What was wrong? You'll find nothing. In many respects, the Charter of Human Rights coincides. The main thing Islamic, Islam says. The problem is, Islam wants to say it based on the foundation of belief in Allah, God. That is all. Otherwise, Islam, although we must not compare the divine with the man-made, Islam is far superior, more complete, it's comprehensive. A very quick rundown through that, inshallah. Um, this is what Nadine Godima, she said, that the essential document, the touchstone, the creed of humanity, that surely sums up all other creeds directing human behavior. Human rights. You want to accept this? That the UN, the Human Rights Charter, Declaration of Human Rights, sums up the Quran and the Sunnah? After all, that's our creed. A skimpy, trashy piece of paper, because they admit that human rights by definition has to be decisively a thin document or thing. Thin. To be all things to all people. It has to be morally pluralistic. So what's the point of then trying to hold on to At-Tawheed? And that's the society we live in. Those who have hearts and minds and they feel and they want to be good and support humanity and don't want to see the world end in misery and don't want to leave their children behind you know, as a heritage which they cannot live in. What have they got to fall back upon? Human rights made by human beings were fallible. And look at what human rights have done to Iraq. And I didn't mention Afghanistan. Time is short. Afghanistan, a country, a budget was 83 million dollars. Budget of a year, 83 million dollars. That's one-tenth the price of a B-52 bomber. And they bombed the stones back to rubble, to end terrorism. And when they were getting bombed, I suppose they were having a party saying, hooray, we're enjoying it. We're not being terrorized, we're enjoying, we're happy. We're feeling free now. And when eight convoys want to go in winter time with essential supplies, Mr. Bush says, no, it can't happen, and Mr. Blair complied. Let them starve. Let them starve to death. Let them perish in the cold, out in the open. Let them be burned to death, bombed to death. We are fighting terrorism. Because we believe in human rights. And we have to go ahead from the UN. It sounds angry, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm, I've got a lot of pent-up anger or frustration or something. Never mind. You are going to be very shallow to judge what I'm saying by my expressions 
and the way I'm expressing it. You want to look at the words and content and see if they're true or not. And if I'm wrong, correct me, advise me. And that I'm saying to Muslims and non-Muslims. I had a list of six points which talk about the deficiencies in human rights. I haven't got time. But one or two points, one I already mentioned, it has to be thin. It does not explain why people have them. Why should people have human rights? It does not explain anything. Human rights on account of what is right, but not what is good. Islam tells us what is good and right. Halal and tayyib. And that wasn't good enough. We don't want what is good, we want what is right. Because Islam is not based on what we think to be right only, but what is good, because it's based on obedience to Allah, on charity, on sanctity of things, not on just rights, divorced of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And look at the rights Islam prescribes for everyone. Five. And the shuyukh later on or some other time, they will explain the details if there is need. The preservation of religion, the five things the, the sharia guarantees and is there to protect as a right of every human being. Of course, primarily Muslims and Islam, the truth. The, the preservation of religion, Islam. Life. Life, the second one. Life. Any life. Those who kill the most are accusing the ones who kill the least. And I'm saying killing is good. I'm saying as a Muslim, killing is haram. Taking innocent life is haram. Those who take innocent life and do not repent, we dare to think how they would fare on the Day of Judgment. Any innocent life. Life. So those who kill the most accuse those who kill the least to be the ones who are the most desirous of killing. And this because perhaps those who kill the, kill the least, supposedly the Muslims, are the bravest. In that case, I say to myself and advise you, do not become cowards. Be brave for Allah. Reason. Descendants of progeny and prosperity. Five. Includes shelter, clothing, food, subsistence. Human rights does not guarantee subsistence. You are allowed to live, no one must oppress you. It's all about negative rights. Right against abuse, right against oppression, right against... What about subsistence? And it's individualistic. Well, what about collective? How do you preserve language rights individually? It's fallible. It's weak. It's got full of holes. It's got so many things wrong with it. And yet people have confidence in it. And they have now made Islam to be something not to be considered seriously. Well, if you and I are not going to now make the matter clear by being knowledgeable and entering into discussion or debate or dialogue, who will do it? The media won't. Multinationals won't. Corporations, they won't. Government won't. All they will do is going to be always antithetical to what Islam wants to bring about. Submission to Allah in the brotherhood of man, but in submission to Allah on the right faith. The Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, let people stop boasting about their ancestors. One is only a pious believer or a miserable sinner. All men are sons of Adam and Adam came from dust. Isn't that human rights? People are like mines of gold and silver. The best of them in the days of ignorance are the best of them in Islam, provided they have understanding. The value we give. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Adam from his, with his own hands. By that definition, every human being is sanctimonious, is sacred, is, has value far higher in degree than any other living creature on earth. Human rights cannot flourish without proper belief in God. And people have said that. People have said that from the non-Muslim quarters. And still there are Muslims looking for solutions through the UN Charter and Declaration of Human Rights and other spiritualism. I forgot to bring the magazine. There's a magazine, uh, uh, London something, they keep it on the tubes. And it has, it's a whole page 
and it shows you, or rather advertises various um, services. Muslims that you can go to for certain services. As a whole page. What is it? Do you remember the magazine name? London something. They give out some, some trashy magazines free. Got a picture of girls and stuff on it. Uh, anyway, so a whole page of it. Every single one of them is a Muslim name. Sheikh this and Sheikh that and all Ahmed and Allama and all sorts of... And all they're doing tarot cards. Palmistry. Astrology. Please, this is popular culture. And the exposure to Islam is not at the level of just governments wailing blue murder at the most innocent people, but even in magazines and tubes. So when that lady picks up the magazine in the, in the train coming home from work, and she reads that, so oh, I don't know my future, my next boyfriend I'm going to meet, ah, oh, Sheikh Ahmed from Gambia is going to sort me out. It, is, it sounds amusing like that, I know, it's a bit, a bit laughable. But that's the exposure. Isn't it tragic that we Muslims who live in Britain to this date have not managed to come up with a qualified or certified list of people from whom Muslims and non-Muslims can get certain services? Whether it's marriage counseling to anything else? Oh people, remember that your Lord is one. An Arab has no superiority over a non-Arab. Nor a non-Arab has any superiority over an Arab. Also a black has no superiority over white. Nor a white has any superiority over black. Except by piety and good conduct. Taqwa. And I think everybody knew that answer. Taqwa. And this is taqwa we are not cultivating. Tons and tons of books we are producing and tons and tons of lectures we are attending and giving and so forth. And we are all pumped up with knowledge and we are then bristling with information and then spearing it out on each other. And everybody thinks they are not knowledgeable, they can quote more and write more and talk more. And we still remain down there in piety. That includes me. But it would be so nice and wonderful and relaxing and assuring if we could have a community or a, com or a company of people who support each other's piety. Then you can die in peace, relaxed before Allah. And we all have to die. I should end, inshallah ta'ala. Let, um, let me finish, inshallah ta'ala, with this just one quote. This is from Ibn Qayyim, the translation in English. There are many things, of course, you're skipping pages. I was, I was telling Sheikh Salim, I was very nervous before coming here. I was like you know, gulping air and stuff like that. I said, oh no, two minutes to go and stuff. I've got 30 pages to do in half an hour. Bad management or bad planning, but there you go. I'm on page 13 at the moment. We have to finish. But let me just mention this quote. This is from Ibn Qayyim. The principles and the basis of the Sharia concerning the rulings and human interest in this life and hereafter, or are all founded on justice. You know what amazed me so badly? It actually shook my confidence even more than what we hear in the media. Confidence in what? In other people being able to furnish solutions to the suffering. Real solutions. The whole communities in Britain, non-Muslim communities, who are weary and tired and fearful of being evicted from their houses because they can't repay the loans on their mortgages. It's a real problem in society. It's a suffering. Nothing compared to Afghanistan, Iraq and Palestine. It's a suffering though, and we are in this society. And so I went and read the book, Dignity of Difference by Jonathan Sachs. I read through the whole book. And what shook my confidence, not once. This marvelous man, or so it seems, who writes so marvelously, and mentions so many things which are stated better in Islam with respect to charity and purification and lending a helping hand and engagement, so much more better, did not once mention what he usually does to the world and then to the people. Not once mention the word 
usury interest. Rather, he supported microloans. And here we have Islam, and we know the last sermon of the Prophet These are the people who are supposed to be the good people. You know, they are supposed to be suffering of the pain and anguish of the world, tortured with the burden of debt, debt enslavement and so on. I have the quotes here of what the IMF chairman said and what this said or that man said. Time has run out. But not once. That shook me. And then I found there's hardly anything organized from intellectual or a compassion point of view from the Muslims to talk about this root cause of evil, persecution, warfare, oppression, subjugation, capture of the world, usually to make money out of nothing, to exploit the world and its people by some, few. And we had it all in black and white in our Quran and the Sunnah. So the principles and the basis of the Sharia concerning the rulings and human interests in this life and the hereafter are all founded on justice, grace, human good and wisdom. Every situation which moves from justice to tyranny, from grace to hardship, from goodness to corruption, from wisdom to absurdity, has nothing to do with the Sharia. In Leicester when we had held a little um, exhibition and some talks, some MEPs and local councillors came and graciously they took part and said a few words of support and however, quite kindly, they wanted to know and openly asked for, what is your view on the Sharia? And we knocked ourselves in the head and said, look, we did all this all day long, spend money organizing and giving food and stuff. In the end, we never satisfied any of them with respect to the question. Because we are just too ignorant or not dis or just disinterested in trying to tackle the problems, take the bull by the horn. What's stopping us? Because everything in the Sharia is about justice, tinged with softness and kindness. Nothing to be afraid of. If people take exception to kindness and charity, well, you offered it, and Allah noted it, and we will see it, if not in this world, in the next. May Allah guide me and guide you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive all the Muslims. May Allah support all the Muslims who are persecuted, relieve them of their suffering. We ask Allah to help us to promote the faith with good manners and justice and balance. We ask Allah to make us people with whom He is pleased with, He is happy, and that He graces us with His mercy in this world and the hereafter, and grants all Muslims the best of paradise, al-jannatul firdaus, ameen. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, astaghfirullah khairan. We'll have a break for about 10 minutes, and then we'll have Sheikh Abdullah Hakim Quick to talk, uh, the actual theme talk of the conference, inshallah. Please don't go away too far, come back in 10 minutes, inshallah.